This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. This is Pastor Callie with Warrior Watch. We're so happy to be here with you today. I've got my friend Laura back with the book, The Delusion. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone that I know that has read this book in its entirety has said the same thing, that it is captivating, it is eye-opening, and it really opens our eyes to uh, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. (laughs) We are Mm -hmm. literally fighting uh, an under, there's an underworld going on, and the only way to truly fight it is in Jesus. Jesus fights it for us. But we need to be cognizant that it really does exist. So we talked a whole lot about this book uh, in the um in the interview before, but we're going to pick up and Laura, if you want to just pick up in chapter 31 and just, you know, let's start talking about Owen and just work through uh, the second half of this interview. Sure. Well, um, in that particular chapter, um, you've got it right in front of you. So that's the, the scene where the young lady, um, experiences going to hell, which is just the most dramatic scene in the book. Wow. And Owen becomes an eyewitness to that. She has, in the storyline, she has chosen to take her own life through suicide. And she's on, uh, she's in the hospital. They're fighting to save her life, but she does lose her life. And so he's right there to witness what happens when her soul is hoisted out of her body by demonic principalities who have come to take her into eternal torment. Wow. So, so it is, yes. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this. So is, is she going to hell because she committed suicide? She is not. And it's so important to make that clarification because it's really become a point of superstition. And if you listen to people, they'll say, oh, well, you know, if you go to, uh, if you, excuse me, if you commit suicide, you're automatically going to hell. It's like a, a religious rumor yeah. or something. But we don't have a scripture that says that. We know that we all deserve hell unless we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and received him as our Savior and received forgiveness for our sins. And it is possible Um, Although much less likely, it is possible for someone with the Holy Spirit to become so deceived and oppressed and buy into lies that they would, you know, take their life. The hope would be that they would listen to the voice of God. But just want to make that distinction that it wasn't she um, in the storyline is going to hell because she has not put her faith in Christ, which is symbolized in the story with a shackle around you know, her neck. I have, I, uh, yes. So she was dead in her sins. She had never given her life to Jesus. Exactly. And that's why exactly. she, you know, went into eternal damnation. But, you know, there have been, I do, I do believe there are cases. I mean, listen, we live in a fallen world and we deal with our flesh. And there, I believe that there are people that, 
um, get so depressed or so oppressed. And even though they've been saved and filled with the spirit, they, like you said, they buy into a lie. They don't hold on to their victory. And then they end up making a horrible mistake. But I do believe once we've given our life to Jesus, that that spirit man is made whole. And I think it's, here's what I believe. I think it's really hard to go to hell once you've been saved. I I think you have to work at it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Once you've been saved, I really believe that, you know, you really, if you want to go to hell, you're going to have to really work at it. I believe that salvation, um, when you have real true salvation, that it is forever. Um, Our, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, our society tends to think of hell as a myth, but it is not a myth. It is a real place. And it's a place that right. was never meant for us. It was meant for the the fallen angels. It was meant for Lucifer and his followers. And um, it was never meant for us. And it is a terrifying, terrifying um, place to go. I, I read somewhere, and I can't remember where I read it because my brain doesn't always work real good with details, but (laughs) I I read somewhere that someone, Oh, I know what it was. Someone that had had a vision of hell and God had Mm -hmm. allowed them to go and see what hell was like. And Mm -hmm. they, I mean, the stories were unbelievable, but in one case, the sins that they were entrenched in, they kept redoing over and over. And like this one, one, one part of it, this 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 man's bones uh, flesh was ripped from his body and then you'd think that that it would be over and all the uh, and he would crumble and then his body would come back together and the torment would start over again so you know we've got we're in a generation that doesn't even want to especially in the church world we don't want to hear about hell Mm -hmm. we don't want Mm -hmm. sermons about hell we don't want to think about hell and i don't really want to think about it either who does Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but it is a real place and Jesus died so that we could be free from that torment, that we could not only be free eternally, but we could be free here. What are you hoping Mm -hmm. that readers will take away from just this scene alone? Well, exactly what you just touched on. We don't like to talk about it, of course. I mean, there's nothing pleasant. When you think about hell, it's like the worst nightmare, you know, times a thousand. And just, you know, there are personal testimonies which, you know, can be enlightening, but even just the way the scripture alone describes it, it's just a place of eternal suffering and the worm doesn't die and the gnashing of teeth. And it's just terrible. And so again, we don't want to talk about it, but my prayer is that we will have um, a conviction that hell is a reality, yes. you know, that this is a real threat. And if you think about it, you know, sometimes there are people who get on our nerves or you might even classify someone as an enemy. Maybe there's been such turmoil and offense but if you picture that person suffering in hell i mean it just moves you to compassion and the hope is that readers will get a sense of urgency about um just sharing their faith and the spiritual fight in general and a reader who is not born again will understand you know people say well we don't want to scare people into faith and certainly it takes more than fear it takes a revelation of who christ is But understanding the terror of being separated from God for eternity, I don't think we have to apologize for wanting people to grasp that. That's terrible. I can't even wrap my mind around how horrible that would be to be in eternal suffering apart from God. So in that sense, I make no apologies that I I really hope to encourage young people and adult readers that this is real and that people who die— Outside of saving faith, the Bible is very clear. There's no middle ground that that is their eternal destiny. Yeah, there are so many religions out there 
that, you know, and we have literally, uh, in this society we live in, people have bought into all roads lead to heaven, you know, all right. roads lead to God. And that is not true. That is not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is only mm-hmm. one God. There is only, there is only one way and that's through Jesus. That's it. That's it. There, you know, all this other stuff is not going to lead you to heaven. It's, it's going to, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a sad day when all these mm-hmm. other religions and the people following these religions, um, have to face the judgment and they're going to find out that their God, their God was false and mm-hmm. that all roads don't lead to heaven. And it, we need to preach that because we're in a, a society that does not want to, you know, they want, when you start talking about that, that they want to classify, well, I don't want to serve a God that throws people in hell. Have you ever heard that? Mm-hmm. Or I don't, oh, of course. I don't want to serve a God that judges sin. Well, mm-hmm. you don't have to serve mm-hmm. a God that puts people in hell. But I'm telling you, your choices put you in hell. God didn't put you in hell. God gives us an opportunity. In the garden, he gave us a choice. He wanted mm-hmm. real relationship. And he, from the very beginning, God wanted real relationship. He didn't want, he has angels. He has people that, he has beings that that have no choice but to follow him. But he wanted a love relationship with mankind. And you even think about your own friends. You don't want friends that feel forced to be with you. <laughs> right. I don't. I want people to want to be with me. Well, Jesus wanted the same thing. And that's why he created man and woman in the garden, Adam and Eve. And then, of course, they, they made a choice. And they, they fell from, they fell, they fell. And then all of a sudden we're dealing with, with mankind going to hell. But the beautiful part about the God that we serve, the only God, Jehovah God, is that he gave a plan and a redemption plan to, to literally lift us out of the snare of hell. But we still have to choose. We have to choose. Exactly. And just like in the garden, when God gave Adam and Eve, um, he wasn't sly or tricky about it. He told them point blank, you know, if you eat from that tree, you will die. And he said, you will surely die. And it's the same thing where, you know, God tells us this is the consequence. And really, it's just a sign of the fallen nature, nature to then turn and blame God, you know, as if it's God's fault. And I love the passage that talks about the fact that it's not God's will that any Right. And that's what we can't misunderstand is that it's not like God is sitting in heaven with his feet propped up, just, you know, casually accepting that souls are being lost. I believe it's beyond heartbreaking for God. It's us. We're the ones who get complacent about it. We're the ones who just, you know, oh, yeah, share my faith, whatever. We get complacent. And that's what God wants to stir us out of that complacency because he does care so much. We have a responsibility as Christians to pray to witness mm-hmm. and to live out this life in a way that people want what we have. They want mm-hmm. what we have, even if they don't even understand it, even right. if they don't understand it, or maybe they don't always agree with us because they, mm-hmm. you know, if they're not saved, they're not going to always agree with us. But if they see us committed in our prayer life, committed mm-hmm. to witness and tell people about Jesus and then a place mm-hmm. where Jesus's love can shine forth, that is an opportunity. They, they will somewhere uh, encounter a place where they know they need God. I believe God just works on people and works on people. That There's a friend of mine um, that gave me a book um, by Roland Buck, and it's called Angels on Assignment. 
And um, mm-hmm. one of the things I loved about that book, this this man of God, he's he's long gone with Jesus now, but he had visitations uh, from the Lord. And this angel would come and visit him. And, and he, this wasn't some freaky, weird person. This was a guy that's really solid in the word. He was a very, very loved in the assemblies of God, just a solid man of God. But in his lifetime, he had these visitations and the Lord revealed things to him. And everything the Lord revealed to him was all backed up by scripture. And that's, I really loved that part. But one of the things he said, he said, when you pray for a lost person in your family, or you pray, you, you, you go to mm-hmm. the Lord. He said, the Lord will send angels to lead and God, to literally just put people around them that will just mm-hmm. try to cause them to make a decision for Christ. And he says, if right. they reject it, the Lord will start the start the process all over again. So mm-hmm. we as Christians have to pick up the mantle of prayer for our families mm-hmm. and our, our school, the kids we go to go to school with the people we work Mm -hmm. with even the people in church we need to be praying Mm -hmm. for each other because the enemy is vicious and he does not stop um at anything and but our prayers are powerful and it can literally change history let's talk about uh chapter 36 and um Mm -hmm. what happens in that chapter yeah, well, there's a scene where, and I'm purposely leaving out names so okay. it's not, you know, create a spoiler here. Right. But there's a scene where a young lady, it's another young lady, she's finally self-destructed to the point that she's contemplating killing herself. And she's actually on a bridge and um, overlooking a river. And Owen is trying to talk her out of jumping, but he's, he's seeing this demonic spirit who will whisper to this young lady and what he whispers, she will then voice as her own thought and, you know, thoughts about giving up and I can't take this anymore. And she's echoing exactly what he's saying. And he's trying to tell her, don't listen, don't listen to that. And he's trying to refute the lies with the truth. And so you see this very real battle where he's truly like, again, it's just typical of the battle we're in. He's trying to refute the lies with truth. Um, And eventually she does let go and she ends up in this um, rushing river and cannot swim. And actually what happens is she begins to, you know, just flail her arms and she thinks she's drowning. But it's a, what Owen calls a watchman, which is really an angel. He just doesn't have that kind of vocabulary because he doesn't have a biblical worldview. This huge, massive armored watchman is holding her up, but she doesn't know that. And this watchman brings her over to Owen, and Owen's able to get her onto the land. And she's just shaking, and she has regret. And she she knew the minute she hit that water, she shouldn't have done it. But she is thanking Owen over and over. And he's thinking to himself, because throughout the book, he's had hostility towards these watchmen. Why don't you intervene more? Why do you let this evil go on when you have the power to stop it? But in that moment, he thinks, wow, I wonder how many times the watchmen, again, those are angels, actually do intervene, and we don't even notice. And, you know, a lot of times we're tempted to say, why does God allow so much evil? And it's, it's a question we all have to come to grips with. But how many times does God forbid evil? Yeah. How many times does God send angels in our most rebellious, godless moment to keep us alive or to stop that car that was going to careen towards us or that drunk driver? And we don't even know. Yeah. We don't even know to thank him and give him glory. Yeah, you know, and that's uh, that really to me goes back to to even prayer. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't believe anything happens in the earth outside of prayer. And Mm -hmm. I think for generations, 
those prayers. You know, the Bible talks about the sins of the father are visited to the second, third, fourth generation. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the Mm -hmm. blessing will go up to 200 generations. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how many times, I mean, I think Cindy, my sister and I are complete um, living testimony on my mother's side. And I think on my dad's Mm -hmm. side too, but especially my mother's side, it was such generations of godly people. And I, my great, great, great uncle pioneered the first seven Baptist churches in Texas. And so you find Mm -hmm. out down the road, mother and daddy came into this town, two hopeless Mm -hmm. alcoholics, and God sends Mm -hmm. a woman to start praying for Cindy and I and taking us to church. Mm -hmm. And the the restoration stops. And I really believe with all of my heart, Laura, the prayers of the generational fathers and mothers in in my bloodline came to fruition in mine and Cindy's life. Of course, I and mean, there's rescu- no question. And rescued mm-hmm. us, and the Lord sent mm-hmm. angels to rescue our family. And that's why prayer is so important, because when we pray, then we literally mm-hmm. set these angels are on assignment to help mm-hmm. someone, just like Absolutely. this book. That's amazing. Yes, and it, yeah, and it moves you to such compassion. I remember, um, obviously, there's a homeless population is, is all over. Um, but I remember being in Los Angeles and seeing this young man. And I don't know. I, I, I really believe it was just the spirit of the Lord because a certain young man, he had to be 18, 19 years old, blonde, and his, son, his skin was just scorched by the sun. He was just really tan and, and sunburned. And he was so smacked out of his mind on drugs. He's just talking himself. You, you know, he was filthy, dirty. And I had the thought, does he have anyone praying for him? Right. Has anyone pray? And I don't say that like a martyr, but just, you know, what if, what if he doesn't come from a family that, you know, had these awesome grandparents? I don't know anything about him, but it'll move you to compassion to stop and pray for people. And I believe God. God loves that young man, you sure. know, and so he put it on my heart. Until this day, I can see his face. And there'll be times, I mean, it's been like two years since I laid eyes on him. him. Uh, And still praying. He was just so pitiful and and just wondering what his story was and how he came to that place. But um, just interceding, like you say, because we know the Bible talks about how the God of this world, meaning Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Bible also says the Holy Spirit, he's going throughout the earth and he's convicting us of sin, yes. of the need for righteousness and yes. of the coming judgment. Yes. So he's working on the soul. And so to stand in the gap and pray prayers, we may be praying for someone who's never, ever had someone intercede. And that's just a great way to live on mission with God at the grocery store or wherever we are and just saying, who can I pray for if even under my breath? You know, I love doing that. Yes. It, well, it's really, it's what's going to bring the revival that we're believing for in America. It's what's mm-hmm. going to bring the next great awakening. It's what's going to, I preached a message uh, Sunday before last here, and I said, everything good and powerful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of God's purposes are tied mm-hmm. to your prayer life. Mm-hmm. So you think about mm-hmm. it. Everything that I'm believing God for, that I'm called to do, that I'm believing mm-hmm. for my children, that I'm believing for mm-hmm. my ministry, every every good work, all obedience in my life, the ability to see and make right decisions, the ability to sidestep landmines that are set up by the enemy, everything yes. is tied to prayer. 
Absolutely. And isn't it great? It's so great when we get to that place because a lot of us initially, when we hear things like that, we think, okay, it's almost like a discipline, which, you know, it's fine to start there. It's fine to start with, okay, you know, even when we don't feel like it, we're going to pray. But it's so cool that the more time we spend in God's presence, of course, the Bible says there's fullness of joy. And you get to a place where, uh, and I say this not because I'm just so super spiritual, but to God's glory, I can't live without prayer. No, I no, I rush neither. home when I drop my son off to, at school, and I, I know that both my girls happen to be gone, too. My husband's at work. I have the house to myself. I get to be in God's presence. And I find myself thinking, like, watching the clock, like, I know I need to get to work out, but I just want to spend more time. And um, it's not a chore. And, and again, sometimes the flesh says, oh, I don't feel like it. But we get to this place where it's just a delight to be in his presence, interceding in, in all of the forms of prayer. You know, so, when I, awesome. I came from a real religious background, and uh, mm-hmm. not that that's all bad, okay? There's a lot of good with it. But, you know, where, you know, mm-hmm. I would spend, you know, I, I, was a, I was a Pentecostal girl for years, and I don't, I'm not ashamed of that. A lot of the things, a lot of the solid roots that I have come from that, but, you know, I didn't cut my hair. I didn't wear makeup. I didn't go to movies. Mm. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a television, which that sure didn't hurt me. We, I don't. Ha- I don't watch a television now. I'm not much of a television. Right. Um, we prayed several hours a day. We fasted. We'd go on 21 days of fast. I'm not talking Daniel fast. I'm talking about da- water, where you wouldn't eat for 21 oh, wow. days or eat for 40 days, and and uh, mm. and and I'm still serving God. I, there was. I did that. Most of that, what I did, I did because I really love God. I, I can look mm-hmm. back and say it wasn't all religiosity, but there was some of mm-hmm. it that was religiosity through time. When it, mm-hmm. in the beginning stages, when I first got saved, it was all mm-hmm. for the right motives. But then over time, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, I'm super spiritual. I'm like a Pharisee. I'm like a, you know, I I I did everything right. And I was so proud of it. I would, wouldn't mind telling right. you either, you know. And then I went through a time right. where I didn't serve God like I should. And I fell away from the Lord. And mm-hmm. it was during that time that God really revealed to me the power of sonship and being a daughter. And how much he yes. loved me, even though it wasn't about my performance. But I will, I will tell you that prayer... All mm-hmm. my life, I believe even the times I didn't serve God the way I was supposed to, that prayer sustained yeah. me from losing out with God. Prayer oh, sustained me. absolutely. It, absolutely. And I, I didn't even know. I, I didn't grow. I had the opposite. I didn't grow up in church, but I did have a friend's mom lead me to the Lord. And I, I tell my story that I would go to, to talk to God in the backyard as a, a middle school student and even in elementary. And I would usually get mad at him over something that wasn't his fault because I was so immature um, because obviously he's never at fault. And, um, but I found God in my backyard and he would speak to my heart, not audibly, but he would speak to my heart so much so that when I finally, um, as a high schooler started going with my friends to like the student youth group and I'd say, well, you know, the Lord told me and they go, wait a minute, you hear from God? And I go, wait a minute, you don't, (laughs) you know, because I did not come in through the door of religion. So I've just known this out of my backyard he's there for me when i need him that's awesome Um, and of course it was a huge disadvantage to not have church in a lot of ways but yes he is there and and prayer can be such a meaningful thing that transcends a chore what one of the things i told the church and i really i mean this is this has been something i've practically walked out when we pray consistently not only does god Mm -hmm. speak to us but it's like have you ever had a pair of reading glasses that were all smudged up 
and you mm-hmm. couldn't really see through them. And if you don't have a problem with mm-hmm. reading, you may not understand the analogy. But I wear reading glasses, and if you hand me your reading gotcha. glasses that are smudged up, I can see, but I see limited. I don't see clearly. But when I take mm-hmm. that glass and I clean it, then mm-hmm. I can see perfectly. Prayer is like washing the window of our soul. And, so and then you begin to see everything with like all the colors of life pop, all the traps of the enemy pop. The, right. the voice of God is louder in my ear. Uh, the wisdom of God, the power of God flows freely yeah. because I've been, I've been, the window of my soul has been cleaned and I've been hooked up to a power source that just brings everything brighter. And why wouldn't we want that? <laughs> exactly. And such counsel. I know I've been in places in life where, and God can speak to people and he does, but there's been times where it's like everybody's done their best to say, you know, give me some wisdom, but I just can't get over a certain issue. And I find that the, the spirit of counsel and prayer, well, which is the Holy Spirit, you know, he will speak such, just one word, just one sentence. Yes. And suddenly it's like, oh, okay. And I just feel so and, set free. Yeah. You understand. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, he, he, well, it's like the Bible. I'm, I've been reading the Bible my whole life and from 16. Right. I got saved at 16. So I've been reading the Bible. And it's amazing. You can be read a whole chapter that you've read a million times. And all of a sudden there's something that God illuminates in that because you're reading the Bible in spirit and truth. And exactly. if you're just reading the Bible and you're not praying, it's, it's, you're not going to get the effect, but if you're reading the Bible and you're spending time mm-hmm. with Jesus mm-hmm. and intercession mm-hmm. prayer and hearing the voice of God and intimacy and just laying before the Lord and being still and quiet, everything begins to come alive. I want to take a minute and I just want to pray. Lord, I just thank you for yeah. the people that are listening today. And I just thank mm-hmm. you, Lord, that you're opening our eyes to the power of prayer and to really what's going on in the spirit world that you are showing mm-hmm. us. I love this book, Lord. I love the, the the whole concept of this book because it's opening people's eyes to the power of th- that, that people are under, the power of the enemy that people are under. Yeah. But how much greater, Lord, is your power? And how right. how willing you are for, to to move on our behalf when we just when we just go before you and we ask for your help and we ask for your wisdom and i just thank you lord that people that are listening today are going to have such a desire for prayer such a mm-hmm. desire for your word god that we're not going to do it out of religiosity or out of duty even though mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing it's better to do it mm-hmm. no matter what but we're going to do it out of desire for intimacy mm-hmm. And God, mm-hmm. you're going to show us your power in such a way. And you're going to show us your love yeah. in, in a very personal way. And I just declare that everyone that's listening today, Lord, that maybe mm-hmm. they're discouraged or they've prayed for mm-hmm. something. And for whatever reason, they hadn't seen the answer. God, that you would just reignite their desire for prayer. And I thank you, mm-hmm. Lord, that the reaper will overtake the sower, that this is a time and a season mm-hmm. where people are going to pray prayers and then have the answer happen before they can literally get the prayer out of their mouth. And I yes. just declare that everyone that's listening today, Lord, will just have the faith. And, God, you will infuse them with faith to know that when they pray, you hear and you answer. And you will give us wisdom to see your prayers answered, Lord, and give us wisdom 
wisdom to understand even when you answer them different than the way we prayed them, that it will be Mm -hmm. for our good. And one of the things that I think is so important that we have to understand is not all our prayers are answered like we think they should be. Right. And I think about Jesus and he is in the garden. Uh, And Mm -hmm. this, you know, and he's in the garden. He knows he was born to die. He knows he was born, but then he begins to say, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, mm-hmm. the flesh was saying, God, if, if there's any way I can do this without dying. Yeah. <laughs> you think about this. If is, there's any other way. If there's any yeah, other way. This is the son of God here. This isn't Callie praying. This isn't Laura praying. Right. This is a son of God mm-hmm. saying, is there any other way for me to do this without dying? And, and then he said, but if I'm basically said, but if I'm praying wrong, not my will, but yours. Right. And I've done a lot of that, Laura. If mm-hmm. I'm praying wrong, not my, my will. And that's why it's so important for us to pray so that when we mm-hmm. walk into situations like in these schools, I, I think about this shooting that just happened here. And, right. you know, the, the warfare mm-hmm. that was going on over that school and the mm-hmm. enemy got a lick in and killed people. You know, yeah. Let's let's go. Yeah. To this, let's go to this next chapter. Um, mm-hmm. So we talked about this young lady and how how people say how the Lord saved her. There was a uh, he called it mm-hmm. uh, what was he what did he call it uh, a, a watchman. watchman. He calls him a watchman. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now let me ask you this: What are you hoping for readers to get from this scene exactly? Yeah, that particular scene is just the realization that you know. We obviously are exposing the strategies of the enemy, but we also want to very much shed light on the fact that God is actively working and that he loses his angels to bring about acts of mercy all the time. Yes. And that if we're alive, that means at some point, on some level, God has declared protection over us. Yes, yes. I believe the enemy would take us out. And so becoming more aware of um, not just, you know, why do you allow these bad things, but God, you know, you do so many wonderful good things that never go acknowledged, you know, and just the comfort of knowing that he has these ministering angels that he's given charge over us. That's just such a, an amazing realization. And and I love it. We talked, we talked about this and you've talked about this. We're not worshiping angels. We're worshiping God. We're not praying to oh, angels. Oh, that's right. We're praying that's to right. God. Angels do the bidding of the Lord. They don't do my bidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't sit around here and exactly. command angels to do things. But but I can pray to God, and God commands angels. He sends angels. That's right. And so it's just important that we know our source comes from God. Our strength right. comes from God. Our wisdom comes from God. Our, the power that flows in us comes from God. But these mm-hmm. angels are on assignment, and they are absolutely our helpers. And it's okay right. for us to understand. I have prayed, Lord, I am asking you to send angels to help me. Now, I've prayed that prayer. Right. I've prayed, Lord, oh, yeah. I have, mm-hmm. I'm asking you to send angels to, to work mm-hmm. in this city, to bring us Amen. revival. Lord, I'm asking you to give yes. people a hunger for prayer and a hunger mm-hmm. for righteousness. And that, God, the supernatural will return to our churches and our lives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe in God. You know, I'm one of these people. I don't criticize anybody that preaches Jesus or the gospel. And I don't yeah. care if you're Baptist or you're Methodist or you're Lutheran or you're Presbyterian. 
or you're Pentecostal, mm-hmm. or you're charismatic, uh, you know, whatever you are. If you're preaching Jesus and the cross, I'm for you, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and, and mm-hmm. if people are getting saved, I'm for you. But I do believe that we mm-hmm. that God is going to return the church to a place where the power of God is flowing. And we are going to see people mm-hmm. healed and delivered of demons and set free. And we can't mm-hmm. awaken people to this and then not let them know that we can experience the power. The power of God is given to us through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we can do the same things that Jesus did on earth. We can lay right. hands on the sick and they'll recover. We can we can pray for the d- demoniacs and they'll be delivered. We can pray for a city and a city can be turned toward God. It, we have that kind of power inside of us mm-hmm. and we've just mm-hmm. got to believe it and walk in it. Absolutely. And, and earlier you used the word intimacy. My, my ears, my natural ears and spiritual ears perked up because I believe with all my heart, just again, we talk about prayer. I believe according to Jeremiah 33, 3, God promises to show us mighty and unsearchable things when we seek him with all of our heart. And I believe that this is an hour God wants to reveal his intimacy. We have a generation of teenagers that, again, I mean, the research shows they're just incredibly lonely. Um, The love of family, family love is growing colder in this hour, and there's so much division, divorce, strife. And God, as part of this, exactly what you're talking about, doing the miracles, doing the deliverance, doing the healing, it's all showing, look, I am here, I care, I am present. That's what God is showing in such tangible, unmistakable ways. And this is the hour for that. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that we have more information and more things that people, you know, you, t- you think about our phones, mm-hmm. everything that we have access to in our phones, our computers. There's more information, there's more knowledge, there's more connectivity than mm-hmm. we've ever had in the history of our, you know, of this world. Mm-hmm. For, you know, not even just my life. I'm talking about the world. But yet people are more lonely than they've ever been. Right, because Satan is the king of the counterfeit. And pornography is the counterfeit for intimacy. You know, these technological relationships that aren't really relationships. You know, it's all a counterfeit because we are created for intimacy with God and intimacy with one another. Yeah. And so trying to skew and pervert and, and sabotage that is, what we're seeing and that's why you know um among other reasons it's sort of a perfect storm there's multiple dynamics but um you know teen suicide is at an all-time high well, and you antidepressants think, are off the chart yeah you, know? you think so about then, the young people that are connected to instagram and twitter and they're you know they're showing portions of their life but they're walking around really lonely because they have no no intimacy with the lord and no friendships that are meaningful and, exactly. And know, conversations tend to be shallow and mom and dad, maybe we even ask, how was your day or how are you? Or, you know, hey, here's your supper. But there's not. That's the thing about spirituality. I think people sometimes get to overlook is it brings such depth to your life. When you pray with your children, when you talk about revelation with your children, when your children say, hey, mom, the Lord, I felt like you put this on my heart for you today. It's a level of intimacy that our souls crave. Yeah. And yeah. without a relationship with God, again, if you are half dead, spiritually you're dead. So the most intimate part of your being is kind of like the, a zombie type state. And God wants to wake us up and fill us. And we will definitely experience that in our earthly relationship. Lord, I just thank you for uh, allowing wisdom 
to enter mm-hmm. into all of us, all grandparents, mm-hmm. parents alike, when it comes to our kids, because even mm-hmm. Christians lose their children to the world. And I'm asking mm-hmm. you all to open our eyes and our understanding on on what we should be doing with our children, yeah. how we should be interacting, right. what they should be watching, what they shouldn't be watching. Help us to, you, you know, we don't need to be friends with our kids. <laughs> we need right. to be, we need to, not that we can't love them and be friends down the road, but while you're raising them, you need to be a mm-hmm. parent. And God, I just thank you that you're raising up men and women that know how to be parents and that we're going to seek on being really good parents. And You know, I, I keep my grandbabies a lot and I, um, uh, I'm very careful. I'm always t- talking to their parents about watching what you let them watch on television. You know, oh, watch yeah. what, you, what you be careful what they're doing on, on your phone. Limit what they do on the phone. Even the good stuff. Limit it. Teach them how mm-hmm. to play. Teach them how to go outside. You know, let's talk about the mm-hmm. Bible. Make them read. And I probably mm-hmm. sound like a broken record to my kids, but we're not going to raise the kind of kids we want to raise if we don't. No, you're exactly right. Exactly right. Or assuming that they're too little to understand the messaging and the perverted messages, you know, I think we'd just be surprised how much they do start to understand and be affected, even as, as young toddlers. Yeah, by you know, creativity, I believe, is really burst uh, out of just staying away from these technological de- devices. Uh, mm-hmm. We went mm-hmm. on a 21-day a, uh, prayer and fasting. This was last year. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember Leland coming to Cindy and saying, I've written some of the best songs I've ever written on this fast. Oh, and it wasn't, wow. it wasn't just church songs. He wrote some other songs, too, for some uh, great songs, though. And But it was just you cut yourself off from all this, and you're actually able to be creative and hear right. the voice of the Lord. And, you know, my kids were raised on being outside, and I they know. got up and ate breakfast, and I locked them outside. You're playing outside, I know. and you're, you're going to play outside. And then you come in for lunch, and then you can drink water out of the water hose. You're playing outside, and they learned how to be yeah. creative, and they learned how to have fun, and they didn't they didn't have millions of dollars worth of gifts and presents and and you know every kind of technological device. There wasn't those back then, but I, I think know, about I how resourceful my kids are and how talented they are and how they're wonderful human beings that know how to interact with people. That's another thing that we've got to realize with our kids. When they're stuck on these devices all the time, they don't even know how to interact with humans. Well, and that brings us full circle to the, the, the void of intimacy that is leading to yes. the suicides, the school shootings. That they, it's just, there's an absolute vacuum of intimacy and, and connectedness among people and the effects are devastating it is it is we're going to take a minute we're going to have a worship song we're going to come back and pray with you uh just a few moments i've so enjoyed having laura we'll see you in a few minutes when you speak darkness has to bow confusion has its final now When you speak, mountains rise and fall, it tears down every wall around me. When you speak, you breathe upon the dust, you come alive in us. When you speak, you silence 
I'm so excited about having Laura Gallagher here with uh, the book that she authored called The Delusion. And this book is a powerful mm-hmm. book. Uh, she's traveling all across America, and uh, she's talking to youth groups and churches about um, this book. And then she's also talking mm-hmm. about just holiness and living mm-hmm. a life separated to God, which is such a blessing. And I want to I say this to you, Laura. God's going to open up a massive door for you this year for this book. And I'm talking a secular door. I don't think it's just going to be a church door. It's going to be a secular door. I prophesy a secular door for this book. And uh, it's going to just really uh, catapult you to a whole other level. And um, the Lord is also building prayer warriors around you that will pray. Because anytime the bigger our ministry gets, the more target we are for the enemy but i just prophesy that this is going to be a great year for you mm-hmm. and a great year for advancement and the finances that you've been needing are going to come as a result as well mm-hmm. so um awesome. let's talk about awesome. what uh, what perspective does this book give concerning school shootings and it's, it couldn't be more relevant than right now i know i mean believe it or not in 2018 which we're only a couple months into 2018 there's been um, the, the number I read was 18 school shootings in yeah. the United States. Yeah. And it's just crazy. And that is part, again, I'm always trying to be careful not to give away these you know, key points to our listeners, but it is a big part of the storyline we see at one point. And um, obviously it is natural when, when someone goes into a school and injures and kills innocent students it is natural to feel angry and hurt at the person who did the shooting of course yes. um, what i've tried to show through the delusion is that that person although i'm not excusing their actions and certainly there are huge legal ramifications for such a thing and as there should be but that is a broken soul yes. Yes. who became vulnerable to the enemy and if you looked at his or her life you could see oh okay this is the open door this is the abuser this is the lie they believed and they It's sad is what I'm trying to say. It's sad for everybody involved, even the perpetrator. It's very sad. Yes. Yes. Um, What, what do you think that, what do you think the answer is in America? What do you, what do you think Mm -hmm. the answer is? Well, you know, obviously, you know, because point blank answer is Jesus. We absolutely need Jesus. Um, Beyond that, it's everything. Amazingly, we've already been talking about it's, creating among those who are believers who have the spirit of God and therefore the capacity to love with God's love, we have got to get out of our technology bubble and our comfort zone and begin to reach out to people. And I want to tell you one of the neatest, I'm going to call it a praise report or testimonials I've heard about the delusion is young people saying, I'm starting to notice the student that's sitting by themselves at lunch, and I'm I'm going over and saying, "How are you today?" No, yes. really, everybody, everybody. When you say, "How are you?" They go, "Fine." <laughs> that's what we do. I'm fine. But if you probe a little deeper, you know, we have got to begin to care and reach out to people and create environments, whether that's a Christian club or inviting young people into our home, whatever that looks like, um, where people have an outlet, especially because there can be such brokenness at home. I mean, there are students that are homeless, that are parentless, that are, you know, there's all kinds of situations where they have two parents, but those two parents are just almost robotic in their parenting style. They just maintain the chores and that's it, you know? Yeah, I think... 
Go ahead. Go I think ahead. a lot of this too, and it's not just in the world; it's in the church too. We are mm-hmm. um, we're so busy making a living, and mm-hmm. we're not we're not plugged into what's going on with our kids. And no That's kid right. needs to be sitting at home at night uh, for hours in a room playing a video game. Well, that's the thing is it can be so convenient, honestly, for your kids to go in their room and watch Netflix. Well, then they leave you alone. So guess what you get to do? Unwind. You right. know, whatever it is you like right. to do. But you you add the days that turn into months that turn into years, and there's huge disconnectedness yeah. there. Not right. to mention, what are they watching right. and feeding their soul? Yeah, but going, getting back, you already said it, to, to camping and to being inclusive. And if you are a father and you are engaged with your sons, what about the fatherless? Boys. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. a mother and you are young ladies, if they don't care if you need it, you know, it has to go back to relationships. And of course, it's going to start with the body of Christ. You know, we're the ones who have the love of God shed upon our hearts. So we have to make this personal and intimate. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we have to, we have to teach in our churches, our parents, uh, our young people. And then, like you said, the ones, there's the kids that are just a a statistic and don't have mm-hmm. the parents that's where the church people have to say okay i'm going to be your parent i'm going to help you i'm going to speak mm-hmm. into your life i'm going to love you i'm going to give you the instruction you need i'm going to pray the prayer of faith i'm going to take you out to dinner and talk to you you know exactly um, exactly i'm, I'm going to have candid conversations with you about things in your life that you need to have candid conversations about and um i'm going to love you I'm going to love you right in your mess until your mess turns into a major miracle. And, that you know, it's, it's, it's time for us to awaken. And I, I know the key to even the awakening. We can know what to do, but the key is prayer mm-hmm. so that we'll desire it. Oh, exactly. That's the second part of that is interceding for our schools and taking the time to pray. And, and you know, it's what we've been talking about. It impacts the spiritual atmosphere, you know, binding the demonic principalities, binding spirits of violence and death and tragedy and, and loosing God's angels to be given charge over our students' campuses um, and interceding for the Christian clubs, you know, across yes. America. We have FCA, we have Young Life, we have all these different, you know, clubs, and we need to pray for strong leadership and strong moves of God at our schools because they truly are the ultimate mission field. As you know. In fact, Dale Gentry, uh, he's my papa. He's my spiritual papa, but he is a prophet. He's a man of God. He is the best of the best. He has prophesied that we are going to see a major revival in the colleges across America. And I am praying, I am praying that in. We that so aligns with my heart. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I can't even sleep at night. Thinking about our college campuses. Yes. Yeah. We need revival. Mm-hmm. And he's, he prophesied, listen to this. One of the prophecies were that speaking in tongues was going to be the norm on college campuses. Mm. That people were going to start seeking God and they would pray in the spirit until mm-hmm. revival broke out. And um, mm. I'm just believing God that God is raising up revivalists. People that nobody knows. They may not even know their name right now. Young people that mm-hmm. nobody knows. And God just fills them with his spirit and sets them free and delivers them. And they literally become a firebrand for Jesus. You know, they mm. preach the gospel. They lay hands on the sick. The, the Jesus movement was started that way, Laura. 
The Jesus movement Amen. in the sixties was started on college camp- campuses, and a lot of wow. the all the Calvary churches that are on the West Coast they came out of the Jesus movement. The Great Revival, mm-hmm. uh, the where people started getting the Holy Ghost started filling uh, people all across America and the world in the seventies mm-hmm. came from the Jesus movement. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was mothers praying. Mothers interceding, mm-hmm. and and uh, one one of the men of God that we heard said, you know, uh, before every great revival was a prayer movement. Where was the prayer movement when the when the sixties Jesus movement? And and the Lord spoke to him and said, it was mothers across America mm-hmm. that were concerned about their kids, and they were seeing the decline of their children. And you had Woodstock going on, and all that going on. And so godly women began to pray for a revival, and the That's Jesus right. the Jesus movement was born. We are on the press for another awakening and i believe i believe with all of my heart that the church is waking up the church is waking up i've been seeing every Mm -hmm. i know god's been dealing with us about prayer we've been talking about prayer we've been praying we've been encouraging our church to pray uh every i was gone this weekend at a and at a retreat with women i preached on prayer the whole weekend i was there i got home Mm. pulled up a a preacher that I like to listen to. He was preaching on prayer. I, I went and checked out another preacher I like to listen to. She was preaching on prayer. And I'm like, okay, God is doing something. There, yeah, call to prayer. There, Clearly. there is a prayer movement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. being able to see in the spirit like this book and being able to walk in the spirit and see the change fall, it's going to take prayer to do it. Um, I want you to pray real Good quick, question. Laura, just over the radio listening audience and just pray over mm-hmm. America, however the Lord leads you to pray. Yes, I'd be honored to do that. Father, I thank you that you are a God who orchestrates even what podcasts we listen to. And so I thank you, those who are listening, that you have a word for them. And it's just crystal clear what they're to take from this and apply to their lives. And Father, I thank you that we come out from under any condemnation or performance mentality and that we just receive your grace and goodness to make life change. And that you will show us. Some of us have had zero example of what it means to have discipleship in the home we just we never had it but lord show us the simplicity of raising our kids by praying with them and teaching them the word and how to just pray with our spouse the simplicity of putting you at the center of all we're doing and lord we come into agreement for today's children lord they're being born into a day and time where there's great biblical literacy and and confusion on so many levels but lord you are not the author of confusion and I agree, and I've heard it before in other circles, that there is a, an awakening coming. And, Father, um, thank you for what you're doing in young people. We do intercede and pray that you would protect our children from everything from being terminated in the womb to suicide um, to tragedy. All these things are a direct attack against the income generation. And so we look to you for your protection. And we pray that young people, moms, dads, grandparents, yes. absolutely, but young people would take up the cause of intercession and that they would um, move so far behind a chore and just delight in your presence and that that love will be, um, it will create a boldness and just a natural lifestyle of evangelism and discipleship that will truly change the face of this nation and give hope to those who have yet to even be born. God, that we're, we're doing something now in this generation that's going to bless those who have yet to be born, Lord. In I th- Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that for everyone that reads this book, or does mm-hmm. a study with this book, God, that, that they will have such a desire for more intimacy with you and there'll mm. be such freedom and that they will learn that even though the enemy is powerful, he is gnat 
and that he's Ned the first reader compared to the power of Jesus. And that That's God, right. you will just give such a hunger to your people for prayer and such a hunger for righteousness and such a hunger for consecration that it won't be mm -hmm. out of trying to be religious, but it will be because mm -hmm. we want to know you and the fullness of what you bring in our lives. And Lord, we just thank you for the people that are listening today. We thank you. We pray for America. We pray for an mm -hmm. awakening across America. We pray God that yes. the churches would be full of hungry people, that the pastors would be on fire for God, Lord, that there will be a prayer movement that will shake this nation unto yes. righteousness. God, we plead the blood of Jesus across this nation. We plead the blood of Jesus over our armed forces. We plead the blood of Jesus over our government. We plead the blood of Jesus over our states mm -hmm. and our governors. We plead the blood of Jesus over the Christians in America that we will be mm -hmm. real Christians. We will be yeah. Christ-like. We won't be Christian yeah. in just name only, but we, they will know us by the love that you have shed abroad in our heart, that they will know us by the way we live and we walk out our testimony in this earth. And God, I just thank you that, that, uh, uh, Texas is going to be a, a, a shining star in your, in your uh, uh, purpose, Lord, that this, this, this whole state mm -hmm. will be ablaze with revival. I thank you for revival mm -hmm. among the Hispanics. I thank you for revival among mm -hmm. our young people. I thank you, God, for revival among our college campuses, God, that, that you are raising mm -hmm. up uh, evangelists and prophets and teachers and pastors that another Jesus mm -hmm. movement, another Jesus mm -hmm. movement, another Another great awakening, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're washing us and cleansing us and giving us a desire for your presence, Lord. That we are literally walking around and with your banner, Lord. The love, your love is just flowing out of us, God, and your your power and your anointing. And we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you. Um, the listeners, I want you to encourage you to go get the book. Uh, Laura, where can they get yeah. the book at? Tell them real quickly. They can get The Delusion on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, um, whether online or ordering it. It's also an audio book okay. on Amazon. It's an e-reader at all your major um, bookstore outlets. And when you go to the store and request it, I know it's easy to get it with a click, and that's okay, too. But if you happen to go into your store and request it, that just helps stores begin to carry the book. Okay. So that's just a little tip there. But okay. Yeah. So, and we want the stores to carry the book. So, Laura, we just declare okay. that every major retailer mm -hmm. across America is carrying this book. And uh, mm -hmm. we just call that into being. Lord, we ask you for supernatural blessing over this book. And we thank you, Lord, for Laura's obedience to do what God had called her to do. And mm -hmm. I, I just thank you, Lord, that you're helping her as she's writing these sequels, that they're going to come easy mm -hmm. and that your spirit will be all over them. And we just give you the praise and the glory. Um, we'll see you next week. You. Be blessed. Have a great day. And um, God bless you. For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.